So I got a message the other week from someone in my Facebook group about how she feels like her marriage is dull, it's lifeless, and pretty empty. This is just one of several messages that I get where the wife is feeling neglected, forgotten, and unimportant. But this one expressed a desire to change, to reignite a spark, and to bring some life back into her dying marriage and by reviving her own heart toward her husband. She was feeling really sick of how hardened and angry and bitter she felt toward him, but that she didn't think it was possible and felt really hopeless at this point and that it was just easier to leave things the way they were. You've been there at some point too, huh? Maybe in your past or you're sitting there right now thinking the same thing, like, yeah, my heart looks pretty dried up. Kind of like the single plant that I received as a gift. It's crispy dead. Like you just walk by it and the air just knocks a leaf off. That's how dry it feels. No coming back. And maybe that's where you are right now. So let's talk today, friend, about the one thing that starts to move you in the direction of revival, of signs of life again in your heart toward your husband. So go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go. This isn't a game of ding-dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit-up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to The Jar Podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. So I was making coffee the other morning and I just suddenly started to picture Jesus in a garden and he's walking around, he's trimming a bush here, plucking a flower there, knelt down and got his hands dirty, you know, uprooting something and moving it and he plucked a little seedling and he was just like tending to the garden and picking up a fallen branch and tossing it and watering a tree and just little images like that that were popping up in my mind and you know it's like six in the morning and I'm still half asleep waiting for my coffee to to brew but I realized that what I was picturing was Jesus in the garden that was my heart and I was picturing him like walking around my heart as if it was a garden and then I realized you know the garden of Eden has been on my mind the past few weeks. It's been popping up in conversations. It's been something that comes up in almost every devotion. It's in these books I'm reading. It's in the songs I'm listening to. It's maybe because my boys in homeschool science co-op, they've been looking up these verses because we're, we're studying plants right now. And they've been looking up these verses on stems, leaves, branches, and just the different parts of plants as they're studying it um, to see what the Bible has to say about it. And 
I've just been noticing all these things that God says throughout scripture on plants and life and water and growth and just what it takes to grow a beautiful garden. And so as I'm, you know, standing there at six in the morning, thinking about a little Jesus walking around (laughs) my heart, like he's in a little garden, I realized like my heart is his Eden, the garden that God walked through with Adam and Eve in the beginning, where they were exposed and unashamed. That is the communion that he craved and that he gave to them to be able to walk with him like it's nothing. He's right there talking to them, showing them, giving them jobs to name all the animals and just loving each other's company. And that's what our our hearts are now. That's where Jesus comes to live and dwell and make his home is in our hearts when when we've accepted his salvation. And so as funny as it was for me to stand there waiting for my coffee, just picturing little Jesus inside my heart right now walking around the garden, I the imagery stuck with me for a while. And I kept thinking about all the symbolism of what he was doing in there, all the things he was picking and planting. And I even put a question in my Facebook group about what do you think about when you hear that God is the gardener of your heart, of your soul? And some of you had some great responses. Like I think of him pruning or I think about him planting the seed and watering it. And all of those were such great ideas. And similar to what I was picturing And really, my mind has been going back to what it takes to have a beautiful garden. Y'all, I have never had a garden. Never. I've never even kept a plant alive for longer than two minutes. Like, a succulent killed it. Um, I've had, like, the easiest possible plants that are supposed to never die, and they're supposed to be so low maintenance, and yet I still kill them. Like, I don't know what it takes personally to have a garden, and yet I wish I could. I'm sure I could learn. I'm sure it's not too late. So whatever tips y'all have, come tell me in my Facebook group. But when it comes to your heart as an Eden garden, it's something that God deserves to have this beautiful, lush place of your heart that's whole and holy. It's paradise. It's this place not filled with shame. It's where the Lord is walking. He, he's present. He's abiding. He's living there. He's breathing. He's interacting with you. He's thinking about you and singing as he's walking along. And he's singing about you and thinking about you. But he's doing more than that. Sometimes the ugly and the painful has to happen. I do know some things even though I cannot apply it to physical gardens right now. But I do know that there's pruning, there's pulling weeds. I do know that one because I have sent my boys to our front little landscape area to pull weeds before. And that's hot, sweaty, dirty work. My boys are growing plants in these mason jars in my windowsill. They're growing these different seeds. Um, I think it's a corn seed and a lima bean And these things are like five inches tall now. These leaves are growing and my boys are doing an amazing job at it. So maybe they can teach me something. But they are cultivating 
this thing. Every morning, the first thing they do, this is so cute. First thing they do, they haven't even brushed their teeth yet, but whatever. I just remind them later because it's so stinking cute. They go downstairs, they open the blinds, and they like do things to this plant. They, they rotate it into the sunrise, to the light coming through. They'll get it a little more uh, damp with some, um, some water drops. Careful not to overwater it. I think one of the seeds is moldy by now, but you know, they're learning, right? But they're cultivating it every single day. There's so much symbolism here and this just been constantly on my mind and I'm just surrounded by it right now. And I am obviously learning um, about it as God keeps bringing these things up, as my boys keep digging into scripture, trying to find verses about it. And, you know, I like a good word picture. So just sit there right now thinking about your heart. What does it look like if it were a garden? What does it look like? Does it look like my dried up crispy plant where you just barely touch the leaf and it just like falls off? Where the soil's all dry and crusty and there's mold and dead bugs? Or does it look like a beautiful lush garden with fruit and flowers and green and just the birds chirping and sunshine? If it looks like the first one, why? Have you given it time to think about why your heart looks that way? Maybe it's easy to point the finger and say, well... My husband hasn't been showing love to me and he's been ignoring me and I feel really neglected and unimportant and he's supposed to be taking care of my heart and nurturing it and loving me. So obviously it needs a little bit of TLC and it's kind of, you know, dry and barren right now. And if it's lush and green and it's growing, why? What are the good things you've been doing? Just like obviously with growing a plant, we know the basics that are pretty elementary. Sun, water, good soil, right? You have to have the softness of the heart that absorbs the truth of God's word and the light of his truth to nurture your heart and grow it and keep that life in it so that it's a beautiful place where you are communing with the Lord and you are going to him and he's speaking to you and you're listening to him and you're practicing the fruit of the spirit. That's where it comes from. That love and patience you need to extend to your husband in a moment when maybe he doesn't deserve it. That's going to come from a place of a rich garden in your heart. The long suffering that you need, the gentleness, the kindness that you need in your speech toward your husband when he's being a jerk, that's going to come from the fruit of the spirit that is coming from a healthy heart that is full of life. But what happens when our hearts don't look that way? What is the reason? What is the cause behind that part of your heart dying? The fruit being rotten and falling off, the plant drying up, getting crispy and blowing away. What is going on spiritually, theoretically? What's going on in your heart right there? So if a plant is dying, it can be uh, for several reasons. One, it's not being tended to regularly. The keeper of the garden, the keeper of your heart, you, isn't tending to it regularly. 
maybe you're ignoring it. You're ignoring the warning signs. The soil's dry. You're supposed to water it every day, but you walk right by the plant and you don't water it. Is it because you're just forgetting? You're not prioritizing? You're thinking, what's the point? It's just going to die anyway? Is it that you've built a wall around it? You're suffocating it. You're not allowing it to extend, maybe in the hopes of protecting it and keeping it small and manageable, but then you're not repotting this plant and it's just living inside this little tiny container and not allowed to extend and grow. And so you're not paying attention to where the growth needs to happen. Maybe you're not guarding it and you've got little kids or dogs or cats or whatever and it comes or bugs and it comes and it gets eaten or it gets knocked over and it's just it's not protected so what does that look like actually within your heart that looks like other people to be reckless with your heart not protecting it by sinking your roots down deep into who you are in Christ and your identity in a, as a daughter of the king you are allowing someone else to come and sweep you away or knock you over or neglect you instead of determining to put those roots down yourself. Maybe it's that your soil is drying up because you're not going to the life-giving source of water. Or maybe there's weeds. Maybe these weeds are growing up and those are the strongholds in your life. Those are the things that you have not been on guard for and they have snuck up and they've begun to choke out the healthy things in your heart, the, the idols in your life, the trauma from your past, whatever those strongholds are that you either you've intentionally ignored because you didn't want to deal with them. You just thought, okay, whatever, they'll just die off. But they've now grown just as big, if not bigger than the actual plant and it's been choking it. And your heart looks like it's filled with weeds. If any of y'all know anything about picking weeds, you know that the longer you leave those weeds growing, just the more work it's going to take to uproot them all because they just spread so quick. And so if you're not in a daily habit of assessing the garden of your heart and like, where are the weeds? Let me pick them. Where is the soil dry? Let me go to the living water and let him nourish me and fill me then your garden won't be growing and flourishing where you are walking with the Lord and able to commune with him. You're going to be scrambling to fix it or giving up, letting it die, get dry and crusty, and then it's just too far gone in your opinion. But the good news is that God is a gardener. He started this beautiful garden for his creation. He set Adam and Eve in this incredible paradise. He's the ultimate creator of life and sustainer of life and reviver of life. And he can do the same in your heart if that's what you're needing. So there's a couple verses today that I want to draw your attention to. And the first one is James 1.21. This one says, humbly accept the word he's planted in our hearts. So we have to come to him in this humility, first and foremost, not in this, I've, I've, I've got it, let me handle my heart, let me be the one to cultivate it, but it's 
humbly saying, I don't know how to do this. It's kind of like me having to humble myself to my kids and go, guys, I don't know how to plant anything. How'd you do that? You figured that out. Wow, that's amazing. Show me how you, do, how you did that. And I think that's a great example of childlike faith. My kids just intuitively study and know how to grow something and they just trust God at, at such a innocent and genuine way that my adult heart <laughs> tends to walk in the opposite of humility of instead of being willing to learn and cultivate alongside God, I just think I got it or I'll handle it or I'll fix it. But James 1.21 says, humbly accept the word. Whatever it is the word is saying to you, we have to accept it as it's planted in our hearts. Our hearts have to be that softened, rich soil that when that seed is planted in our hearts, we can humbly accept it as truth. Whatever it is, if it's the truth that's calling us to forgive, if it's the truth that is pointing out a flaw in us, maybe it's our selfishness or our self-righteousness or our pride, whatever the truth is of God's word that you're either listening to from someone else or a podcast or in a song or the actual word of God, you're sitting down with your Bible open and it might hurt, it might sting, it might be that Jesus is in there in your heart and he's pulling that weed right now. And he's saying, oh, that's a truth that doesn't fit there. That's not my truth. I don't know how that one got there. And he's turning that soil and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And the picture that I got is, as I was standing there brewing my coffee, Jesus was kneeling down in the dirt. Like his hands were dirty and he's flipping over some soil or something. That's what he's doing in your heart. He is cultivating it. He knows like, oh, that's that part right there. That's about to get hard and cracked and I need to turn that soil a little bit so we have to humbly accept him doing that in our hearts Ezekiel eleven nineteen says I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh so even if you think your heart's too far gone there's no going back there's no way that I can feel any different toward my husband. My heart is bitter and hard. I'm angry. It's been a long time since I have felt loved by him. He doesn't pay attention to me. He's mean to me. And you feel pretty neglected. Your God, the gardener, the keeper of your heart, he can take that stone and he can make it flesh. He can take the hardest cracked ground there is and turn it into the most nutrient dense topsoil that's the perfect soil for growing a seed growing a plant growing the fruit of the spirit in your life again the joy the patience the self-control the love again he can cultivate that but it has to start with you humbling yourself accepting it and allowing him to replace that and i've i've got a whole episode on helping you determine if you have a hardened heart. I think it's like episode number three. It's probably one of the more popular episodes, um, even though it's not easy to listen to. It's got some truth in it. Some other verses that can encourage you are Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. It says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Think about that for a second. Think about what do I do when a plant's dead? I toss that thing in the trash. It's not, my t it's not worth my time. 
I tried, whatever, I can't do it, toss it. And what does God say about us and our hearts if they're hardened and drying up? He says, I've chosen you and I will not throw you away. Verse 10, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. It continues with, when the poor and needy search for water and there is none and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. He is the one when things feel too far gone, your heart feels like there's just no going back to loving your husband the way that you once did or feeling loved by him. Even if your husband never changes, your heart can still soften and allow God to walk in communion with you and to be loved by him. Skipping down to verses 18 and 19, it says, I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. Those things don't naturally happen. Rivers don't usually flow on high plateaus. Fountains don't usually come bursting out of valleys. And rivers don't flow across parched ground. And yet, with God, there's a way. He can and will fill you and bring you life again if you let him. Verse 19, I will plant trees in the barren desert. Cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. All of those types of trees all together. And Isaiah 43, 19 says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So friend, this is meant to be an encouragement to you. It may not be the most practical of episodes, but if you come join us in my Facebook group, Christian Wife and Marriage Community, we're having a conversation over there about what it looks like, what it takes to partner with God in cultivating the garden of your heart, where he lives. Jesus lives in your heart as the gardener, keeping it, and you're either hindering him or you're helping him by pulling those weeds, by going to his word and accepting the truth, by letting the light shine on that and exposing the dark parts, the hardened parts, letting Jesus get his hands dirty and it might hurt a little and you might experience some pruning, but it's all for your growth. It's all for reviving your heart and reviving maybe even your marriage because when your heart is reviving, that heart's beating again. And when that heart's beating again, that's infectious because you're going to see the fruit. You're going to have the fruit of joy and your husband's going to see that. You're going to have the fruit of patience and he's going to get to benefit from that, which only has positive effects. Now, I want to close with this. I want you to close your eyes. I mean, if you're driving, obviously keep your eyes open, but think about this. Picture Jesus. For me, as I was standing there making coffee at six in the morning, I was picturing Jesus as a barefoot, um, darker skin, long hair, walking around in this white robe, and he was smiling. He was smiling, and he was kind of 
enjoying himself, getting dirty and digging in my heart and walking around and looking at the growth. And that was pretty encouraging. And that's what I want you to see too. Now, he was pulling some weeds and he's still doing pruning. And there are parts of my heart that I'm sure I've got a wall up and I need to take it down. But it's something I want to keep working on because I, I know what my hardened heart felt like. I remember how cracked and barren and painful it felt. So painful. And I don't ever want that again. So I would rather have him get his hands dirty, get out the pruning scissors, clip some things off and dig his hands in there and reveal things that I need to do to change and grow and humble myself rather than ever go back to ignoring it and letting it get the way that it was. So I encourage you today, think about Jesus walking around in your heart. What does he see and what can you do to begin to let him cultivate it? Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.